our reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. For you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Margaret, if you're watching this morning, it's so great to hear your voice. Let me pray for Luke as he uh, shares with us on this theme of serving one another. Father God, we've said it already this morning. We thank you that you are the ultimate servant king. Jesus, we pray by the help of your Holy Spirit to hear your voice this morning, challenging and edifying each one of us to consider the gifts you've given us and where you're calling us to serve. Father, we thank you for Luke. We thank you for the message that he's prepared. Be with him now as he shares it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good, isn't it, to hear about some of the things which are going on in the church at the moment. It's good, isn't it, to see that there is life after COVID. We recognise COVID and all this season that we've been in is not fully over yet. But there's these shoots of hope which are coming up all over the place. And my encouragement for you today as we look at this particular passage is to be asking the Lord, where are you calling me to play my part? As I'm sure many of you know, my wife Gemma works for SWIM. And part of her role working for SWIM means that probably about every six weeks or so, she has to go away on a conference. And she goes away overnight at this point. I'm convinced it's a little bit of a jolly, but she does tell me that it's work. But she goes away for these conferences. And I've got to be honest, when she goes away for these conferences, I find myself feeling a little bit smug. Because... Gemma goes away and the kids, it's a bit of a novelty for them, mum being away, the kids generally behave impeccably for me over the couple of days that she is away and actually we have a really good time. It's probably something to do with the fact that I'll often buy them a McDonald's as well rather than making them eat healthy food but that's another story for another day. Anyway, Gemma was away this week and again I was feeling to myself, well this will go brilliantly, what could possibly go wrong. She's only away for one night this time, so it's going to be even easier for me. Anyway, Gemma goes away for this night with with her work, and we had a leadership team meeting which was happening on the Monday night as well. That was going to be meeting at my house, but I thought to myself, what could possibly go wrong? It'll be easy. We'll get the kids in bed, we'll have the leadership team meeting, lovely jubbly, everything will be fine. 15 minutes before the leadership team meeting starts, one of my children, who will remain nameless, had the mother of all strops, and it caused absolute mayhem in my house. I managed to eventually calm him down just before the leaders arrived, but I went into that leadership team meeting that night a little bit uptight. And the leadership team meeting this week was long. It was really long. And it got to the end of the meeting, and all I wanted to do was go to bed. So the leaders left. I got ready for bed. 
went to bed and thought, well, that's that. I'll have a good night's sleep now. I'd had a couple of rough nights sleep-wise the nights before, so I really needed a good night's sleep. Anyway, it was all going brilliantly until about 1.45 a.m. in the morning when I was awoken by one of my children staring at me in the face. If you're a parent, you'll know the kind of stare that I'm talking about. You'll be asleep and you'll be in a nice deep sleep dreaming away and then there's his face just looking at you. I don't feel well, says Lydia. And I'm not really with it at this point. So I said, go back to bed, you'll be fine. And I'll take her to the bathroom and, you know, I'll give her a kiss on the forehead and tuck her back in and head back to my bed. Worst mistake that I could have possibly made. Because half an hour later, her bedroom looked like the scene from the apocalypse. There was sick everywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I can't believe this has happened when I'm here on my own. This was the last thing, the last thing that I wanted to be doing and dealing with that night. But in the, the, the disgustingness of this scene, there was a moment of kind of clarity which hit me where I, I just realised the tremendous privilege that I had looking after this little girl. I didn't like what was going on, but I realised that... This was such an honour to be able to do this. And the reality is, if I had to do this every single day for the rest of my life, I would absolutely do it because she's my girl. And I'm going to look after her. I'm going to watch out for her and make sure she is okay. And I don't tell you this today to sound particularly pious. I have a particularly strong gag reflex. And any kind of smell that there is will often set me off. This was the last thing that I wanted to be doing. But the reality is, because she's my family, I'm going to do all I can to serve her and to make sure she's okay. And the reality is, we all do it as well. I can point to several stories here in this congregation today of people that have gone above and beyond for members of their family to look after them and to make sure that they're okay and to make sure that their life is better. And, you know, what is true for our nuclear family should also be true for our church family as well. Because as we've spoken about together in the past, family often means for a lot of people, hurt, heartache, pain, and separation. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we have this joy, we have this duty, we have this privilege to show a world in need what true family actually looks like. And the best and the most practical ways that we can actually do that is through the concept of service. As we open up this passage together in Galatians 5 this morning and we think about what Paul is writing about here, Paul writes to the Galatians really about the new life in the spirit that Jesus Christ gives as opposed to kind of finding acceptance through the old systems and the old ways of trying to keep the rules and keep the law, which none of us could actually do anyway. If we were to look at Galatians 2 together today, we would read these words, I have been crucified with Christ. So that it's no longer that I live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And what Paul gets here in Galatians chapter 5 is that life in the spirit looks like freedom. And he kicks off Galatians chapter 5 by saying, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. No longer to be captive to the yoke of bondage. Freedom is one of those ideas, isn't it, that we often get the wrong end of the stick about. I often hear my kids say things like, I can't wait until I'm grown up, because when I'm grown up, I'll be able to do whatever I want to do. But that's not true freedom at all. 
You see, the problem with that idea and that concept of freedom is that our wants and our desires and our perceived needs are often totally skewed and will often get us into trouble. True freedom looks like living in the parameters that God sets in order to have the most fulfilled life that we could ever possibly have. If God is genuinely the God of the universe, if God is genuinely the one who has made us and formed us and knows us, then he knows exactly what is best for us. And that's the crux of true freedom. At times, restricting ourselves from our wants and our desires in order to live for the one who knows what's best for us. And what Paul identifies here in Galatians 5 and 13 is that there's this kind of battle going on within us between our flesh and the spirit. He says you were called to be free. So do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another in love. You see, what Paul identifies for us here is this war which is going on within us, with the Holy Spirit who lives within us and our fleshly desires. When we came to Christ, when we gave our life to Jesus, we put to death our old self and we were given this new life and this new identity. But the problem is, although we've died to self, although we have turned away from that old life, our old self tries to resurrect itself on a number of different occasions. And as a result, there's this struggle which takes place within us between a desire to totally live for Jesus and a desire to live for ourselves. And the remedy for this, the thing which helps us and puts these things to bed once and for all, as Paul points out, is serving others. We see that in the life of Jesus, don't we? When Jesus was at his most vexed, when Jesus was at his most troubled, when Jesus could have totally and utterly turned away from the mission that he came for and gone in a different direction, when he was facing the cross, what does he do? He gets on his knees. He adopts the lowliest position possible. And he washes the disciples' feet. In order to put to death the feelings of the flesh, The feelings of not wanting to do this, to run in the opposite direction, because mark my words, Jesus would have felt that. He was fully human. He turned and he looked at how he could serve his brothers in Christ. You see, it's when we serve others that our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions begin to once again realign with those things that God always intended for us to have and always intended for us to be. It's in serving others that our wants and our desires and our perceived needs are once again put into the bigger picture of the story of God. Who are you serving right now? How are you serving right now? There are many reasons why serving others is important. Last week I gave a 10-point sermon. You'll be pleased to know there's not 10 points this week. There's only four. But there's many more that we could talk about. But I want to highlight four really key aspects to this idea of serving today. Number one, serving helps us to draw closer to Christ. Colossians 1 verse 10 says that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. As a teenager, I had a really, really strong Portsmouth accent. 
Now, a Pompey accent is kind of like a London accent, kind of like a little bit of a Cockney accent, but with a little bit of a different twang. And I, I tell you, my accent was really strong, so much so that a lot of people who came from outside of Portsmouth, who didn't necessarily understand the Pompey dialect, had trouble, had, at times had trouble understanding what I was saying. In fact, my pastor at the time once said to me, Luke, I generally pick up the first word that you say and the last word that you say, and I've got to make up what comes in the middle. And I have to tell you, sometimes what you say to me is quite rude. And over the years of living outside of Portsmouth and moving around the country and living in several different places, my accent has softened quite a bit. But what I've noticed is it only takes me a little bit of time to be around my Portsmouth friends and around that kind of environment, when that old Pompey twang comes flooding back into my vocabulary. Why? Because generally, we imitate, whether we realise it or not, those that we spend time with. So the more time that we spend with Jesus, who did not come to be served, but to serve, the more we begin to take on his mantle and his yoke and become like him and grow close to him. I wonder today, is your relationship with Christ not where it should be? Look for an opportunity to serve today. The goal of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus. And scripture tells us that it starts with service. And you know, when it comes to Christian maturity, People often equate Christian maturity, don't they, with how much of a Bible the person knows or how long a person has been a Christian. But the reality is it's neither of those things which determine maturity. I have met some people who have been Christians for a long, long time, but they are completely immature when it comes to matters of faith. Rick Warren once put it like this, Christian maturity comes when we take off the bib and we put on the apron. Christian maturity comes where we see that it's no longer about feed me, feed me, feed me, but how can I serve you? Rather than wanting things our own way, we seek for those opportunities to serve others. That's when we grow more Christ-like. Number two, serving others helps us grow closer to others. As we've talked about before, the concept that the Bible talks about the, the church in is the context of a body where every single one of us has a part to play. Some of those parts are seemingly large. Others are much, much smaller. Some of those parts are visible. Other parts, we don't even realize that they're going on at all. Yet each part is absolutely vital in order to make the body healthy. You see, it's when every member plays its part that the body functions as the body was always intended to function. And what Paul gets at here in this passage that we've read together today is that if we want to put to get bed those fleshly desires, it comes in the context of serving, serving together as a body that we begin to portray to the world what the church was always meant to be. And there's a challenge there for all of us today, isn't there? Because I've heard it said several times in this church, and probably, if I'm honest, in every single church that I have ever been a part of, something along the lines of this, I am just not sure if I have a place in this place. I just don't really feel settled. I'm not really sure if I fit in. And my challenge to you, if you're here today or you're watching online, if that is how you are feeling right now, you don't have to feel like that. And the way that we get over those feelings and those emotions of not really being sure where our place is or how we fit in, 
is looking for those opportunities to serve. I wonder where God is calling you to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ right now. For the church to function well, everyone has a part to play, regardless of your age, regardless of your background, regardless of your gender. You know there is no retirement age in the kingdom of God. You have a part to play in his church. Number three, serving others advances the kingdom of God on earth. Atheist philosopher Frederick Nietzsche once said, Jesus' disciples will need to look a lot more saved if I am to believe in their saviour. The point that he was essentially trying to make is that as Christ disciples, at times we can often be a poor witness to the world because when it comes to this battle between the flesh and the spirit, often we give in to our flesh and we adopt a mentality which the world adopts too. It's all about me. It's all about looking after number one. How am I doing? Whether we say that out loud or whether that's unsaid, sometimes that's the message that we portray. Have you noticed, I wonder, in your own circles, those people that you mix with and you hang out with and maybe that you're related to who aren't Christians are often the first people to pick up on things that you do wrong. I've certainly noticed that in my own family life. I don't come from a Christian family, but all my family know that I'm a Christian. But whenever I do something which they seemingly think is unchristian, they're very much the first to point the finger and say, should you really be doing that, Luke? The reality is the world doesn't look to the church for a right belief. The world looks to the church for Christ-like mentality and whether we actually practice what we preach. Essentially, as a result, therefore, faith is expressed in action and what we do. That's what we read in James 2 and verse 18. You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. Service exemplifies how the Christian faith is meant to be lived out. And as a result, when we adopt a posture of service... When we're willing to put the needs of others before ourselves, when we look to serve others, it shows a dying and hurting world that actually the faith that we have in Jesus really does make the difference that we preach about. Number four, service enables us to do what we were always intended to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, before you were even born, before you were even knit together in your mother's womb, you were created for a cause. God prepared good works in advance for you to do. And it's therefore in the middle of service that we find our true identity. You will never truly fulfill your purpose until serving others is at the heart of what you do because it was one of the very reasons that you and I were created. What that looks like for each and every one of us is different. And what that looks like for each and every one of us may depend on the season of life that we find ourselves in as well. But ultimately, the outcome is exactly the same. Why are we talking about this today? It's not simply to fulfill rotors, although what you might be picking up on as we talk together today is that there is a lot of need in the church right now. But the goal of service is not simply to keep the show on the road. It's about you and I fulfilling our God-given potential, becoming more Christ-like, building up his body and seeing others come to know him. How amazing is it? That the God of the universe, the God who needs absolutely 
nothing. He invites you and he invites me to be part of his story. What a privilege that is. What an honour that is. So church, as we continue to consider together what it means to be church as family, let us today consider what it means to serve. Recognising that everyone's capacity and everyone's contribution may look different, but everyone's capacity and contribution is equally important. And just like last week when we were talking a little bit about giving together, generally when people stand up the front of a church and they talk about serving, it's very easy for our instant reaction to be, here we go again. They're just trying to fulfill their rotors. They're just trying to twist my arm into doing more. Don't they know what's going on in my life right now? Don't they know how hard things are for me right now? And here they are again trying to manipulate me into doing more. But just like last week, I want to say to you today, if you're watching online or if you're in the building, if that's how you feel, if you feel like you're being coerced into doing something, you have total and utter permission not to serve. I don't want anyone to feel forced in this place to doing something they really don't want to do or really don't feel they should be doing. Let me, let me tell you, if you end up on a rotor or you end up doing something because you feel forced or coerced or have your arm twisted to do it, then it won't do you any good. It won't do us any good. It won't do the body of Christ any good. You see, the concept of serving like giving should be a joyful thing. But if you want to today be part of the adventure in any large or small capacity, if you want to look at how you can draw closer to Christ and draw closer to others here in this place, if you want to fulfill your purpose and see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, let us all today consider what God might be calling us to do here in this place and beyond. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to hand back to Zoe and the bands who are going to lead us in worship before we come round to the table and remind ourselves once again of the servant king who gave it all for us. Father God, I want to thank you for all of those areas that we've already heard about in this church where we need to pull together and serve together. Thank you, Lord God, for the shoots of hope which are just springing up all over the place. Thank you for the signs of life in this place once again after a very, very difficult couple of years. Thank you, Lord God, how you're bringing us back together and we see fresh vision and hope. And Lord God, help us to consider each and every one of us today what you are calling of us. Recognising, Lord, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Recognising, Lord God, that in serving you, we commit to a joyful act. Help us, Lord God, be a people who joyfully and willingly lay down our own wants, our needs and our desires for the cause of others and for the cause of your kingdom. And may we see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.